Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Before we get into today's interview, we're opening up the episode with a contribution from Oakland-based writer Adeline Hosteen, who shares a particular talk that resonated with her approach to creativity. Here's Adeline. My name is Adeline, and I'm a writer based in Oakland, California. Something that made me slow down recently was a talk given by Tavi Gevinson called Tavi's World, in which she talks about fangirling as just as legitimate a part of the creative process as the creation itself. And fangirling here isn't limited to the traditional sense of the word in terms of fangirling just over people, but it also refers to fangirling over art and books and films and even ideas. The reason that this talk forced me to slow down was because as a writer, I constantly put myself under this pressure to be creating new work even when there isn't always the inspiration or the motivation to necessarily do so. I think that the world today moves really quickly and it can always seem like you're trying to keep up with all of the creative output that's out there. And this talk kind of reminded me that it's also okay to take the time to cultivate your own interests and enjoy the work that already exists too. She said something that I really loved about how sometimes writing down someone else's words whether it's a quote or a song lyric, can be just as, if not more, comforting than writing down your own. So I really encourage you to listen to this talk, and I hope that it encourages you to slow down too. Thanks so much again to Adeline for sharing. Again, the talk she referenced is Tavi's World by Tavi Gevinson. Now here's my interview with Nicole Powell of Kinfield. What does it mean to create a better tomorrow? Nicole Powell has been crafting the answer to this question throughout her entire career. I first connected with Nicole nearly four years ago while she was in her role at the beloved lifestyle brand, Modern Citizen, and have since followed her journey with excitement and admiration. As an inherent brand builder and passionate storyteller, Nicole has just kicked off the newest chapter of her professional story as the founder and CEO of Kinfield, whose mission is to offer great essentials for the great outdoors. Even though the brand is still in its infancy, Nicole and her team have already made incredible strides in garnering awareness and excitement for living and creating with more intention. In our conversation, Nicole unpacked the importance of reinvigorating Kinfield's product category, how sustainability drives everything she does, both on and off duty, and why slow content is a key component in the modern storyteller's playbook. Without giving too much away, enjoy my interview with the always inspiring Nicole Powell. Okay, so who I am as a person outside of my business, I'm, it's it's a funny question actually because I really love what I do and there's I take a lot of pride in the work that I do, so that is actually a big part of who I am um, for this particular moment in time. But beyond that, I think that there have been some consistent themes throughout my life. I grew up in Minnesota, which is actually where I am right now, I'm home at my family's place here. 
Um, and I, you know, I grew up in a really outdoorsy family and we have kind of always been in a, I've always been in a world in which kind of like play and respite and rest in a lot of ways, um, has come from being outdoors. So it's been a moment of like, oh, it's a beautiful night out. Let's go sit outside or, um, oh, I have so much energy to burn off. Like my parents would like, go play in the backyard. And, you know, then as I got older, that evolved into, I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to go for a run. Um, so that has very much kind of been a consistent theme of my life throughout. Um, I think in terms of other things that I've learned as I've grown up that I really do value and appreciate, I think the people in my life are what matter the most. So full stop, the things that I value the most in life are people. I've just found that the friends that you have, the relationships that you have both with yourself and with others are oftentimes the things that will kind of carry you through the dark times and bring the good times into a place of euphoria. And that really does come from being surrounded by good people who share the same values and, um, you know, similarly think that life is a dream. And I think that beyond that, you know, I've always found that I really, I sort of am drawn to other people who similarly value curiosity and joy. Um, and you know, it's funny because I feel like my, my two preferred speeds in life are either 150 miles an hour or zero. And I really do love them both equally. And I found that as I've gotten older, making more time for zero mile per hour times has made me a more well-rounded person and also made it actually that much easier for me to run when, when life calls for being 150 miles an hour. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about pace in this way, especially with regard to Kinfield. And when I was first going through the website, um, I was really struck by the brand's about page, which starts with, I guess, the slogan for a better tomorrow. So I'd love for you to kind of just sum up what that means and what does a better tomorrow look like to you now? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love that you picked up on that because our what we're trying to do with Kinfield really does feel like a message of hope. And it comes from this place of joy and celebration and really about the spirit of kind of outdoor play, but finding that in all areas of your life. And it's, it's interesting that you, that you say that it's sort of this new wave. Cause I think in some ways it's actually sort of a hearkening back to, um, to a slower pace of life where people, you know, kind of before the fast fashion and before people assumed that everything should be, um, mass produced for $2 and shipped to them overnight for free and, and all of these things. And what we've seen now, beginning with brands like ours that, you know, are smaller and, and are just emerging we see that more and more people are willing to step back from the kind of conventional ways of doing things or, or what we now think of as being conventional ways of doing things and come instead to a place of celebrating brands that are thinking about things from a place of sustainability, which is to say, not just thinking about the here and now, but really thinking about the impact that every step of our supply chain, every step of our actions as a team, everything, you know, even right down to what we're doing within our office spaces. Um, but thinking about what that impact is, both in terms of what impact we're putting on the community around us, what impact we're having on ourselves and on the products that we're putting on and in our bodies. And then also, you know, I think especially for us, when we think about the places that people are using our products people are putting our products on their bodies and then going and jumping in the lake. So how could we not be thinking about what that impact of that product in that water environment is going to do 
for the marine life tomorrow. So for us, when we think about what a better tomorrow looks like, it really does come from a place of reflecting on and improving the relationships that we have with ourselves and with the people around us and the planet. And it's it seems really broad, but we believe that change starts in the moment in the small moments. And I think that, you know, it's it's definitely been something that for me has been a growth, a growing experience, honestly. Um, I'm used to being able to look at something and saying, okay, this is the vision I want to have. You know, I have this grandiose vision of all the things that I want to do here and I want to build it and I want to have it tomorrow. And you can't do that (laughs) with the company that you're starting. You have to start and say, this is the 10 year vision. And now what do we do with day one? And that's been something that we have tried to instill through every area of the business of it doesn't have to mean that tomorrow is every change that you ever wish that you could possibly make for the best possible version of yourself, because that gets really overwhelming. And honestly, it's hard to sustain. And so instead, when we think about for a better tomorrow, it's asking ourselves, what thing can we do? What small change can we make? Can we do the equivalent of one push up? Can we make you know, one decision that even if, you know, we're sourcing one ingredient out of 50 in a better way or in a more sustainable way, well, great, better one than zero. And so trying to get into that mentality of just asking ourselves every single day, how can we do better tomorrow and trying to instill that um, in our community as well. And not in a way that feels like it's shaming, but in a way that feels celebratory. Like we're trying to celebrate the small wins, um, however small they might feel in the grand scheme of things. And that's really what that's about. Yeah, it's almost like we're unlearning these habits so that we can build brands that go back to the root of everything we've ever done in every industry, really. And I actually want to go back for a moment because you kept talking about your day one just now. So I'd actually love for you to go back to your own day one when you realized the true need for Kinfield. Um, I personally know there's been some evolution around the name and the original concept. So just give us a little more context around that. It's definitely been a journey. I think as anyone who ever starts anything at all, company or you know notebook aside, um, I think it's always it always kind of from page one to the end is always a, an evolution. But I so I first got the idea for Kinfield as I mentioned. Um, I've I've always been very outdoorsy, and I had moved out to California after graduating school, started my career actually in tech, and learned a lot, um, but ultimately realized that I wanted to work on something that felt more personally aligned with my passions. And frankly, I was, I was 24 and I was hungry and I wanted to be able to dig in, dig into something, um, and really throw my everything that I had into it. And so, um, I'd been freelancing for a while for writing and photography. And so decided to take some time out to travel and really reconnect with myself. And that was an amazing experience. And then when I got back to San Francisco, I started um, asking and talking to the founders and founding teams that I knew about what they were building. I was really interested in the space of building something new and and creating something that had never been exist had never existed before. And to that end, I ended up meeting um, Jess Lee, who had just started the company Modern Citizen, which is a, a beautiful women's fashion e-commerce company out of San Francisco. And I joined her as her first full-time hire, and we spent three years building and growing the brand with her and her co-founder, Lizzie Agnew, um, both of whom are, are brilliant, wonderful people. And um, it was during that time that, actually on a complete aside, I was getting ready to take a group of friends out to Yosemite for uh, just a weekend trip, nothing crazy. 
but I was packing for it. And, you know, of course, after that time, I'd been in California for several years and my personal skincare and beauty had gone through this evolution where I was using only, of course, like sustainably made and clean and beautifully branded, thoughtfully crafted products. And so I'm packing for this trip and I'm putting all of these products into my bag And it was then when I got to packing all the products that I needed for the kind of like outdoor portion of it, which is to say the aerosol container of mosquito repellent and that dyed green aloe gel that everyone seems to have. And I was looking at them and I was like, wait, why? These are the same products that I used when I was growing up in Minnesota. Why are they still in my bag? <laughs> what am I doing? And you know, I, I kind of went through this this process of you know that was what started getting the wheels turning, and I started talking to friends of mine that you know were all degrees of you know kind of what we actually lovingly term outdoors ish all the way to outdoorsy, and um, was asking people to say, well, what were you using? And I got I heard a lot of people say like I haven't been able to find anything. I've tried all of these you know, quote unquote, natural brands and, and haven't found anything that actually works. And so for me, as someone who loves to solve problems and loves to dig into things, I was immediately intrigued. And the further that I got along into this space, I realized that not only was there an opportunity to create better products, products that were made with clean ingredients with an actual scientifically proven efficacy that you could trust, but beyond that, that there was also a tremendous opportunity within the brand and community sides. And what I found was that a lot of existing outdoor brands sort of ascribe to the mentality of the kind of harder, better, faster, stronger, where, you know, you buy this fleece and you can, you can trek and summit Mount Everest. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm down. I, I'm Everest is on my list of, of to do someday in my life too. But what I realized is that what that was doing was it was alienating anyone for whom their outdoors experiences was day hiking or dog walking or having a backyard barbecue. And so I really wanted Kinfield, um, which as well remembered at the time was, was actually called Finn was my working name for it. Um, and I really wanted the, what we were creating to be about celebrating the many ways that people get outdoors. And, you know, there's been so much research that's shown and still so much more, um, to do around the health benefits of being outdoors, even for just, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in a day, but getting out there and putting your feet in the grass and having fresh air and feeling the wind in your hair. I mean, those things have real psychological and health benefits. And so by telling people that they're somehow not allowed to go outdoors unless they're trekking for three weeks, like that seemed really off to me. And so, um, so I ended up, you know, getting really, really fascinated by this and obsessed with this idea and then left modern citizen in the spring of 2018 to focus on Kinfield full time. Um, we later renamed the company, um, and the name Kinfield actually comes from a love of, of shared outdoor gatherings. It's, it's quite literally your kin in a field, um, which I think, again, feels very true for, for me, again, going back to celebrating people, but also celebrating this idea of, again, it doesn't have to be about summoning a mountain. It can be about just something as simple as gathering your friends for a picnic in the park and having that be the option instead of, you know, something like drinking in a bar somewhere. <laughs> and so we wanted to be about that. And so um, as a brand, we're really thinking about all of the personal care products that you need from the minute that you step outside your front door. And we're tackling each of those categories and each of those products deliberately and intentionally and with the same ethos across all, which is to say, 
finding, sourcing, and utilizing plant-powered ingredients using independent lab studies to demonstrate efficacy. So you know that the products that we're getting from us will actually work and that they went through rigorous testing during the R&D process to prove that. And then on top of that, like building this recreation ready brand where we're really about um, outdoor play and and getting out there and doing that, whatever feels right to you. And so that's that's really where we started. And then we, we launched earlier this summer um, after gosh, about two years after I got the initial idea, um, which is funny because I've actually been told that that's quite quick. Um, although of course in the moment it does not feel that way, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's, it's been such an incredible journey and it's truly been the most humbling and rewarding thing in the world to see people respond and, and to the brand and to see that it's something that resonates. And that's, I mean, there's no, there's nothing more rewarding or nothing more that you can ask for when you create something to see that, that someone responds to it in a positive way. Yeah, your story is incredible. And as an advocate for storytelling on my end, it's been really interesting to see your brand evolve and to your point, how you've been able to build something so thoughtful so quickly. And so on that note, as you know, my work at Connected Editorial really hopes to address the conundrum that a lot of brands face in terms of dealing with this demand for fast output while still maintaining thoughtfulness and high quality storytelling. And since we're approaching this from a content perspective and just throughout the course of my experiences and building this business, it's also been really interesting to talk about the rising slow content movement and what this means to certain individuals and brand builders. And so I would love to kind of get into the heart of what that idea means for you and the context of what you're building at Kinfield. I mean, I think that that's thinking back now, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years. And I think that that's one of the things that you and I had initially connected about online of all places was how beautiful and thoughtful the content um, and the stories really, you know, because calling it content makes it feel like it's Instagram posts. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, it really does come down to this storytelling. And I think giving people something of substance and I've always loved that that's been um, a focus of yours and it makes me really, really happy um, to see, you know, the success that you've had with Connected Editorial and the style line. Um, and I think that that just further demonstrates that there's, that there's, as, as we love to say in the industry, that there's a there there. Um, but I think for us, it's really interesting as we think about content at Kinfield, we are a very small team. And so we have to be really thoughtful about how we spend our time. And the thing is, is that storytelling, like real value add content takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of thought and care and preparation and editing and diligence. And to create something that um, is not just, you know, a clickbait email that someone will, you know, it's, you know, flashing light saying, buy now, here's a, you know, a code click, 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 um, but really creating storytelling or the way that we think about it, um, being able to really add value to our community. Um, people get, are, are overwhelmed by information in today in today's age. Like there's, you know, I mean, my personal inbox has thousands of emails in it that are just, again, click, click, bye, bye, bye. Um, but when I think about the content that resonates with me most, it is the slow, thoughtful stories or the things that the list that someone, you know, you can tell really put time and effort into curating, you know, this is this recipe that, that we would 
we would bring along on our own camping trip or um, these are our three favorite day camping places from New York or, you know, these different things. And it is hard to find good content, especially in this day and age when people's attention span is shorter than ever and they're getting pinged constantly by their devices and, and you know, asked for, to be paying attention to something else. And so the sh- all of that is to say, we actually haven't yet done anything in terms of content. And that has been really deliberate because we want to make sure that we are valuing and respecting our community's time and that we're taking the time to really get to know them and have conversations with them and hear what it is that they would want to see. And we think that we have, I mean, we have so much to say. There's so much that we haven't have yet to even talk about publicly in terms of the sustainability efforts that we're doing. And the, you know, I'd love to tell the story behind the 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 duo that designed the brand that we um that we came with, you know, came to the table with. And there's so much that we can say there, but I want to make sure that what we're saying isn't adding noise, but that we're really able to add value. And I think that when we are able to launch content later this year. I I hope that it reflects the amount of care and thought that we've put into it as a team because it really has been a labor of love. And I think we've been fortunate to to have um, both community and investors that have supported us in building the brand deliberately and thoughtfully um, versus kind of having it be a rush to push out as much as you possibly can. But it is, um, I think it's a bit atypical. Yeah, absolutely. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you at this stage of the brand's lifespan, because it really is a testament to how much you value every aspect of what Kinfield is bringing to the table. And as you were speaking just now, a question popped into my mind. um, And I'm wondering if there's a story that you know you need to tell through the brand at some point, but you're afraid to or have hesitations to tell just based on what is the quote unquote standard or norm in your industry? I mean, listen, Kinfield is my baby and it's not my baby. It's the product of, you know, the many brilliant people and team members who have poured their hearts and their souls and their ideas and their, you know, their late nights and their early mornings into making this possible. And the thing is, is that I've always said that there's a restlessness that comes with ambition. And by default, if you have big dreams, there's a, there's an amount of, you know, both celebrating what your current accomplishments are and and the place that you are now and recognizing how far you've come. But also there's a burning fire that says, okay, great. And now where do we go from here? (laughs) Like how far, you know, okay, we, we did this well, but we can do this. And we made these three tweaks. Then the next time that we do it, it can be even better. Um, in whatever, you know, measuring stick you choose to use for better in that particular context. And so one thing that I have noticed, and this has been very much a, a learning point for me is that we hear it say that good, that done is better than perfect. And that within the context of the company has very, has been a huge, huge growing opportunity because for example, um, I'm sure that you've seen everything that's been happening um, in the Amazon right now. And we, as a brand, we, as as a team internally, we were talking about this last week and we were really shaken both by what's happening and why it's happening. And also by what we perceived as to be a, a, a pretty, um, low response rate. We were, you know, there wasn't a lot of conversation about it happening until towards the end of the week, thankfully. But, um, 
And so we were looking at it and it came down to, okay, what, what can we do, right? This is something that's so in line for what we're trying to build as a company. We incorporate it as a benefit corporation specifically. So we will always be able to protect the mission that we have towards responsible environmental stewardship. And when we were thinking about what can we do to help within the Amazon, you know, we were like, okay, what, what's, what's going to be the most impactful? And that ultimately means dollars. Like really, if we want to get right down into the nitty gritty of it in situate crisis situations like that, the best thing that you can possibly do is donate dollars and getting them to groups that, you know, choose your groups carefully. But we were looking at it and we were able to, we are donating a thousand dollars to the Rainforest Alliance, um, which is a, a fantastic group that brings those dollars directly to the groups that are working at the front lines to protect um, the rainforest and also to stop the fires that are happening currently. And there was a level of feeling like it wasn't enough. And when we think about, you know, the stories that we tell and I want, and my dream for Kinfield is that we will be able to be a massive player that really is able to shift the narrative around what it means to be a successful, sustainably minded brand in today's day and age and be able to have you know, I saw earlier, you know, earlier this week, I think Leonardo DiCaprio and, and, and friends of his donated $5 million. And that's amazing. Um, and it, there's a level of feeling vulnerable with saying, this is what we're doing and having, and recognizing that for some people, they're going to look at it and say, that's not enough. And, you know, to some degree they're right, but to other degrees, it's, you know, a thousand dollars that wasn't being donated before. And so, and maybe in some small way, we inspired someone else to donate $10. And maybe then that's $1,010 that came about, about as a result of our actions. But um, there's certainly a vulnerability, I think, to stepping forward and saying, listen, we know we have a long way to go, but this is what we're doing today. And standing in that and saying, I hope that you can see that we are trying and I hope that you can see, can join us and stepping forward and making this progress as slow as this journey may be. Um, but recognizing that, you know, hopefully people will, will see it for what it is, if that makes sense. Definitely. And I'm wondering too, with this element of reflection and action, which is incredible, how you use accessible tools and mediums like content and storytelling or things people can really attach themselves to as a way to foster more sustainable living and relationships offline. This goes back to what I was saying before with, I think you can't be what you can't see. And so for us, if a lot of the existing, say, sustainable brands or kind of narratives around sustainability are, you know, if you've ever touched single use plastic, you're a monster. And if you, you know, if you ever even consider takeout, like you may as well just like commit the earth to going up in flames now. Um, and I find those narratives as well-intentioned as they may be to be quite alienating and not as productive as, as they could be. And so when we think about what we can do and how we hope to use content and how we hope to contribute a new and meaningful voice in this space, it really isn't highlighting you know, the different stories of people within our community for whom our message of you know, start today and get outdoors and, you know, make small change. It's finding the people for whom that message resonates and sharing their stories. And I think that, you know, I can sit here and talk until I'm blue in the face about, you know, the, the three things that I did this week that 
um, you know, are more, you know, in, in line with more sustainable living. And that's, that's all fine and well and good, but there's going to be many, many people out there for whom they're going to look at me and say, well, she lives in New York or, um, you know, she's up certain means or she has a different background from me and therefore her story doesn't resonate with me. And that's fine. That's, that's okay. Um, but I think that the more that we can share what I believe to be a growing movement of let's hold hands together and find ways to support one another in this journey and recognizing that change doesn't happen overnight. Um, but by using content to show the ways that people are incorporating healthy living habits, sustainable living habits, getting outdoors into their everyday life and shifting it away from the narrative that we usually see again on Instagram and similar platforms that really is, you know, just photos of people standing at summits on sunrises and, and, you know, in far reaching countries where you're kind of like, wow, that looks amazing. And I'm sure you had a lot of really enlightened moments in that space. And don't get me wrong, I've had those too, but how can we show the ways that people can start tomorrow, start today with more sustainable practices? And I think that that comes from just showing more stories um, and not you know, finding unique stories that haven't been told before, which I think is something that you do actually exceptionally well, um, with slow stories and, um, with connected editorial and the style line. And so it's, um, I'm, I'm sure that that's certainly something that you've probably experienced firsthand. And it's, it's, I think a really a beautiful place to be in to find stories that haven't been told before and being able to shed light on a new narrative in that world. Yeah. And I think it really does come down to slowing down because it's so easy to get sucked into the vacuum of our endless content cycle. And I think that when we are able to do that, we can create the necessary space to kind of ask ourselves the questions that need to be addressed when it comes to shining a light on stories that need to be told and the harder questions that need to be asked. And I'm wondering as you spearhead these narratives throughout Kinfield and even through your personal channels as a founder, if there is any one question that you hope people ask you more often. It's funny actually, because one of my, one of the things that I'm working on right now is actually um, listening more and being asked fewer questions um, because I am trying to speak less and listen more and which I think is maybe ironic to, to mention on while we're, while we're talking on this podcast. Um, but I think one of the, one of the really odd things that I've noticed that happens is that, um, when you, when you start anything or, you know, if you're leading a team in any way, people often will sort of look and assume that you either have all of the information in some way, or, you know, obviously, you know, immediately will have an answer to something. And I actually have, I've oftentimes found, um, that while yes, the ultimate decisions um, or answers might might rest with me, that my answers are best informed by getting, you know, talking to the people who know the most about that space, which means that you know I'm oftentimes actually asking more questions about what, you know, what do you know about this space? Like, what can you tell me? What do you think could go wrong? What could go right? How? What's the best case? What's the worst case? Um, but I also think that. In terms of um, questions that I wish people asked me more, I I think that one of the things that I, I really love is um, I love when people ask me if I want to go for a walk. 
realized that that might seem like maybe maybe an unusual question, but um, I really think the best when I'm when I'm in like a mindful movement space. And so, I mean, my team knows this. Um, I will, and and honestly, if you've ever been on a phone call with me, odds are I'm probably pacing somewhere. Um, but I just find that it's a it's a really lovely way to again, like it just puts you in a different headspace. And you're not usually, you know, you're not usually on your phone if you're walking because you have to make sure you're not tripping, um, and you're just a little more present, which I really love. Um, and then the other thing too, that I wanted to mention on this note is that in terms of, um, questions that I want us to ask ourselves, um, one thing that I've been circling back on a lot recently is, is what can I do to be kind today? So what can I do to be kind to myself, kind to others, um, paying, like looking for ways to pay compliments just because I think that in a, again, going back to what we were saying around, content being so overwhelming oftentimes when you know when you're getting inundated with news alerts and all of those things like it takes there's a there's a really beautiful pause that comes from someone stopping to have a moment of gratitude to themselves or to look someone in the eyes and pay a really heartfelt compliment and it really i think is a nice little da- dash of positivity in a day that can otherwise be so, uh, you know, 150 miles an hour. So go, go, go that you really don't have a moment to pause. And I think that that's a really important thing. And I think that that's, again, something small that we can all do that, that makes us, you know, feel a little bit better about the world that we live in. Yeah. hundred percent. That's definitely something I'm also trying to practice through the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship, creativity, and, and just life. Um, and there's obviously so much more that we could discuss in this topic and conversation alone, But just to close out this particular interview, I want to ask you a question that's become central to these discussions, and that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? There is tremendous power in the pause. It gives us the space to reflect, to consider, to get mad, to calm down, to fire up or to simmer slowly, but it gives us the space to be human. And when we're battered down by constant content, and I really do use that verb battered deliberately, we're never given a moment to think. And when we think and when we actually take the time to pause and to reflect and to ask ourselves, how did that make me feel? We begin to subtly shift our mindset from being one of being reactive to being able to be proactive. And that gives us the space to be deliberate about building the life that we want. And I think that ultimately, you know, isn't that what we're all seeking? We all want to be able not only to imagine the life that we want to, but to actually proactively take steps to do that. And that means you have to say no, because you have to have the space to be able to say yes to what matters to you. And so in that mind, I think, you know, take the pause, build deliberately, create the life that you want. It starts now. That was my conversation with Nicole Powell of Kinfield. Join Nicole and her team in building a better tomorrow today by following them on social at Kinfield. And also stay tuned for an exclusive follow-up portion of this interview in our Slow Stories column on Create and Cultivate. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slow Stories. We'll be back with our next interview soon in October. Thanks for listening.